everybody, and welcome back to Sports Cards with D-Crom. I'm your host, David Cromelo, and NFL football is officially back as the 2017 season kicked off last night with the Chiefs pulling off a remarkable upset victory over the defending Super Bowl champion Patriots, 42-27. to And today, we will recap that game and preview the rest of the action in what promises to be an exciting opening week in the National Football League with our good friend, Hal Bent, who covers the Patriots for Scout Media, MusketFire.com, and Cover32.com. It's a pleasure to welcome you back to the program yet again, Hal. How are you doing? I'm great, David. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. Uh, football season got off to a rather interesting start last night, and I definitely cannot wait till Sunday for some more action in, like I said, what promises to be a very exciting slate of games. It certainly should be, and it certainly kicked off with fireworks last night. It most certainly did, and let's talk about those fireworks. And that is obviously the Kansas City Chiefs offense. Alex Smith arguably playing the best game of his career, throwing for 368 yards and four touchdown passes. And rookie running back Kareem Hunt, who I have been promoting on this program since before the draft, uh, he had 148 yards rushing, 98 yards receiving, and three total touchdowns last night and his total yardage of about 246 was the highest total yards from scrimmage ever recorded by a rookie since the 1970 NFL merger according to NFL research but the Chiefs uh, it was also a bittersweet night for them as they lost arguably the heart and soul of their defense Eric Berry to a season-ending ruptured Achilles and does Eric Berry's season-ending injury put more pressure on the Chiefs' defense going forward or more pressure on the Chiefs' offense to sustain what they did last night going forward? Well, last night with the Chiefs putting up 40 points, that's putting a lot of pressure on that offense to be able to duplicate that in the season. I mean, if you remember the Chiefs last year, they ended up losing to Pittsburgh in a game where their defense held the Steelers' high-powered offense to no touchdowns and still lost the game and were knocked out of the playoffs. So there's a lot of pressure on that offense right now, and they certainly stepped up last uh, Thursday night and faced that pressure and looked fantastic. So there's a lot of pressure on them to to keep getting the ball to Tyreek Hill, to keep Kareem Hunt uh, moving forward like he did against the Patriots. Oh, absolutely. And yes, it is definitely unfair to expect the Chiefs to score 40 points week in and week out. But if they could do uh, half to 75 percent of what they did last night on a consistent basis, I would say, then I think they have a real chance to compensate for the loss of Eric Berry, which I think will take their defense down a notch or two. And uh, moving to your New England Patriots now. Last night, I believe, was an off night for the Patriots on both sides of the ball, and I would definitely say the defense even more so than the offense, but obviously a lot of Twitter was hopping on the Tom Brady is done bad wagon. And although Brady might have shown some signs of age last night, he also showed he's far from done, in my opinion. Just look at that bomb he threw to Brandon Cooks, that 60-yard bomb uh, uh, from his own 20 to the Chiefs 20, my goodness, uh, he, he definitely still has a lot left in the tank. So I, it's completely foolish to say Todd Brady's done, even though he had an off night. But the, like I said, the whole team was off. But focusing on the offense, do you blame the struggles of Tom Brady in the offense last night more on Brady's age or the injuries to Edelman and Amendola or a mixture of both? Um, definitely more to the injuries. That offense looked like nothing like they were last year. They didn't find... 
once Amendola went out of the game, they didn't have anybody running those intermediate routes. You had Philip Dorsett, who was picked up five days ago, running vertical routes. You had vertical routes from Brandon Cooks, and you just didn't have enough bodies in the horizontal passing game that the Patriots have used so well in all these years. And they look like a throwback vertical passing attack last night. Tom Brady threw 15 passes that were considered long passes. Very fascinating observation there, Hal. And, uh, and many people were suggesting that going forward uh, to compensate for uh, the absence of Edelman and the potential uh, lengthy absence of Amendola from his concussion, that they deploy like James White and Rex Burkhead in, in the slot more. Do you see that happening? Yes, the Patriots definitely have to get their running backs involved in the passing offense. And definitely, if it involves them in the slot, if they can't find another wide receiver to fill that position, they have enough talent there. They had 15 passes to the running backs against Kansas City, but only five completions. There were a lot of deep routes. They had a wheel route that they used to run in the past with Danny Woodhead. And they may need to get those running backs acting more like wide receivers going forward to make this horizontal offense click again. I completely agree, Hal. And if there's any a team we should trust to adapt, it is the Patriots. And I definitely trust that they will make that adjustment for week two against the New Orleans Saints. And now moving on to Sunday's game, starting with the 1 p.m. Eastern slot. And my top game there is easily the Raiders against the Titans, a battle of two promising young quarterbacks, Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota, who have tremendous weapons in the passing game, elite offensive lines, and solid running games as well. But on defense, like Sans Khalil Mack, the Raiders are terrible on defense, and the Titans, outside of maybe Jarrell Casey, their defense leaves a lot to be desired as well. And thus, I smell a high-scoring game down in Music City on Sunday. And do you see this being that high-scoring game like myself and most others are anticipating? I certainly am, David. This is two elite offenses. The Titans reloaded in the offense. They've added a lot of weapons for Mariota, who's primed for a big season like you had mentioned. The Raiders, you know, having Carr healthy, they showed last year how important he is to that offense as they just fell apart without him in the playoffs. So I know the Raiders fan base is going to be fired up to have their quarterback back. The The Titans have got their ascending superstar at quarterback. They've got a brand new set of weapons. You know, Eric Decker brings so much to that offense, having that veteran wide receiver for Mariota to have. And it's, you know, if you like points, just like the Patriots and the Chiefs on Thursday night, this is going to be another track meet there and watch for a lot of big plays. Completely agree, Hal. And also, in addition, Tony Romo will be calling that game for CBS, so he'll add another interesting wrinkle to the broadcast there. And uh, when I also look at this game, I look at two factors that could determine who wins. Uh, the team that runs the ball better or the team whose defense, defense who is otherwise terrible, by the way, makes more big plays. Who would you think is more likely to win this game, the team that runs the ball better or the team whose defense comes up with more key plays? Oh, I definitely think it's going to be the defense. There's going to be turnovers that have to be created by one of the defenses, whether it's you know pressure on the quarterback, whether it's in special teams plays. 
but somebody's going to have to step up and make maybe just one or two big plays is all it's going to take to be able to swing that balance over and pull out the victory. Indeed, Hal. Special teams could also play a big role. And who do you think prevails on Sunday between the Raiders and Titans and why? That's a coin flip at this point, but I'm going to say, you know, Carr might just have a little bit of rust on him having not played in so long, and that might be just enough advantage for the Titans and Marcus Mariota to pull out the victory. I agree. This is pretty much a coin flip, but I'm going to take the opposite and say the Raiders because uh, Eric Decker and Corey Davis, the fifth overall pick from the 2017 draft and the Titans stud rookie wide receiver, also the pride of Wheaton Warrenville South High School here in suburban Chicago. Uh, those Both those guys missed the preseason and their timing is going to be a little off and Carr has more established chemistry with uh, Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree and that's why I give the Raiders a slight advantage in this game but you're right it could go either way it is a coin flip and it should be one of the best games on Sunday and moving on to the top game in the 3 p.m. slot. Yeah, 3 p.m. Central slot, that is, 4 p.m. Eastern. The Seahawks going to Lambeau Field to take on the Packers. And last week, when final roster cuts were being made, uh, the Seattle Seahawks swung a big trade, trading away Jermaine Curse and a second-round pick and a seventh-round pick to the New York Jets for Pro Bowl defensive tackle Sheldon Richardson. Now, you add Sheldon Richardson to that front with Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill and Frank Clark coming off the edge, plus the Legion of Boom. This Seahawks defense looks like it could be the best it's been in the, the past couple of years that you know what the Seahawks have, have done. And like, especially in that period between 2012 to 2014, one of the best runs, defensive runs in NFL history. How much more dangerous is the Seahawks defense given the addition of Sheldon Richardson, in your opinion? Oh, it's a huge addition. They've been missing that disruptive force in the middle of their defense. There's been so much attrition on that front seven for Seattle over the past four years. And, just being able to bring collapse that pocket with those edge rushers that they have, it takes the pressure off the secondary. If there's an injury to Earl Thomas, last year that defense fell apart without Earl Thomas. Being able to have that disruptive force in the middle of the defensive line takes a lot of that pressure off, Takes allows the defense to be able to make up with pressure what they may lack due to injury during the season at some point in that secondary. Absolutely, Hal, and especially given light of the fact that their uh, second-round draft pick, Malik McDowell, who they picked for that reason alone to shore up that front seven, is probably going to miss the entire season due to the injury he had in that automobile accident. Uh, The addition of Sheldon Richardson is exactly the move the Seahawks had to make in order to shore up that front seven. And also, when looking at this game, I look at the Uh, weakest leagues on both teams. For the Seahawks, it's obviously the offensive line, but for the Packers, it's the cornerbacks. Which weak link do you think hurts their team more, the offensive line for the Seahawks or the cornerbacks for the Packers, and why? Well, I think it's definitely going to be the cornerbacks for the Packers. Um, The Packers have a decent defense. They don't have that overwhelming pass rusher like you know they may have had in the past clay matthews is still a great player but there's nobody that's blowing up the backfield there so seattle should be able to adapt with their offensive line and scheme their way into protecting russell wilson long enough for him to make russell wilson plays um looking at that packers secondary i mean wilson has to be drooling at the thought 
of you know getting somebody like Tyler Lockett matched up on single coverage with Devon House or Quentin Rollins and just letting him run. Oh, you're making my mouth water as a guy who has Russell Wilson and Doug Baldwin in one fantasy league. And I also have Baldwin in another fantasy league. So I'm definitely hoping for big performances out of those two in this game. And who do you think prevails at Lambeau on Sunday, Seahawks or Packers and why? Well, I think it's the Seahawks between the defense and the offensive weapons. They're uh, probably the most complete team in the NFC right now. I think the Seahawks should be able to pull out the win. And and for the Packers, it's almost a must-win game because they've got to face Atlanta next week. It most certainly is, and that's why I'm taking the Packers. It's going to be a very close game, but in the end, I just believe that Aaron Rodgers continues to show why he is the best player in the NFL right now and ekes out a win almost single-handedly over an otherwise complete Seahawks team that has a superior roster to Green Bay. And moving on to the Sunday night game, an NFC East clash between the New York Giants and the Dallas Cowboys. Last year, obviously, the Cowboys won the division at 13-3, and but the Giants not only were in second place at 11-5, and they pretty much owned the Dallas Cowboys last year. And uh, when I first look at this game, I look at absence or a potential absence that could impact uh, this game. Uh, and which absence do you think hurts more? Odell Beckham, if he doesn't play, and even if he pl- plays, he'll be playing at far less than 100%. You have to keep that in mind, folks. Or David Irving, who gave the Cowboys a pass rush toward the second half of the last season, who will miss the first four games of the year due to a suspension. Oh, it's definitely Irving. The Giants have added enough around Beckham that they can survive his loss for a week or two. I mean, Brandon Marshall was injured a good portion of the last season. He seemed a little disinterested as the Jets kept losing, but I think he's reborn over there with the Giants now. They still should have enough offensive weapons. Um, and, And Dallas, again, that pass rush, that lack of a pass rush has been a thorn in their side for the last two years now, and it seems like it's one step forward and two steps back in Dallas when it comes to that. It most certainly is. They definitely need to focus on overhauling that defense big time uh, to give Dak Prescott some much needed help. And uh, what I say a defense is a quarterback's best friend, I truly mean it. Just ask Peyton Manning in 2015 and in uh, 2006 for that matter, uh, especially during the playoffs. Um, But you mentioned the Cowboys defensive line being a weakness, but the Giants offensive line is pretty terrible as, as well. And I think the matchup between the Giants O-line and the Cowboys defensive line could be the game-deciding matchup here. Who do you think has the edge in that battle? Well, it's about a coin flip right now. The Giants have a little continuity. Weston Richburg, Justin Pugh, they've had some solid performances. Um, Eric Flowers is still young and developing at left tackle. And, you know, against that Dallas defensive line, you know, the Giants don't have to be great. They just have to be good enough. And I think that's going to give them a big advantage on Sunday night. You could very well be right there, Hal. And looking at the Cowboys again, uh, yes, Dak Prescott had an incredible rookie year, and he's an incredible talent that I am very high on. And uh, you can't take that away from him. But the Giants, as I alluded to earlier, they absolutely owned Prescott in this Cowboys offense last year, as I'm talking about that defense and that Giants defense, which was uh, a rock star unit last year, could be even better this year, given the continuity there. Uh, So my question is, how big of a barometer is this game when it comes to judging how much of a second year leap, if any, that Dak Prescott will make? 
Well, you said it, David. You know, there's something about seeing those blue and white uniforms of the Giants that he just can't get over that hump. So, you know, if he comes out and has a great game against the Giants, you say, well, he got over the hump. It's a it's a big growth step. If he doesn't, you say, well, it's status pro, and he's still one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. He just has Giants-itis. And guess what? Tom Brady has the same thing, and it certainly hasn't hurt him other than two big games. Uh, you said it. There's something about the Giants said their ability to develop or acquire talent, especially when it comes to the defensive side of the football. And who do you think prevails in the Sunday night tilt at Jerry world and why? Giants or Cowboys? Well, I'm going to have to go with the Giants again. Um, you know, just that that pass rush of Jason Pierre-Paul and Olivier Vernon, Vernon on the outside. If Damon Snacks Harrison can make any impact in slowing that Cowboys running game with Ezekiel Elliott, you know, it's going to be very hard for Dallas to move the ball on that tough defense. And Eli Manning, with or without Odell Beckham, should still have enough weapons to continue his success against Dallas. It is going to be a very close game, and I am going to disagree and say that the Cowboys find a way to pull it out, especially given the fact that this could be their the last game the Cowboys play in a while with Ezekiel Elliott on the field pending the ruling by Judge Mazant, which should come any minute right now as of this broadcast. And he is Hal Bent, ladies and gentlemen. He writes for musketfire.com, which is a Patriots fan website, and he also covers the Patriots for Scout Media as well as cover32.com. You can follow him on Twitter at HalBent01. And Hal, we thank you so much once again for joining us here to preview week one of NFL action and to recap last night's Chiefs-Patriots game. But before we leave, we want to go to our rapid-fire round and predict the rest of week one game. So we're going to have our producer, Chris Broadhead, time us for two minutes as we run down the rest of this week one slate and pick our winner, starting with Jaguars-Texans. Who do you have? I have the Texans. I agree. Texans are going to bring it to their fans' uh, which should be an emotional homecoming after Hurricane Harvey. Falcons and Bears. Well, definitely going with the Falcons. they got a chip on their shoulder. Absolutely. Plus, the Bears are going to be down um, to their second-string corner, and that should be an absence that Matt Ryan and Julio Jones should definitely be able to exploit. Uh, the Tank Bowl, Jets and Bills, who do you got? Well, the Bills actually have a quarterback, so I have to pick them. <laughs> Uh, probably, yes. As bad as the Bills roster is, the Jets roster is a million times worse. An AFC North tilt between the Ravens and Bengals at Paul Brown Stadium. Who do you got? Ooh, that's a coin flip here, but I'm going to say the Ravens. I'm picking a, a bounce-back season despite all those injuries. The Harbaugh just somehow keeps eking out wins over there. I think it's going to be a close, low-scoring game, but I think the Bengals have more weapons on offense to pull it out. Another AFC North tilt, Steelers and Browns. I love what the Browns are doing rebuilding, but this is the Steelers going away. It absolutely is, and especially with Miles Garrett out, Ben Roethlisberger and that offense should be able to feast. Uh, another NFC East tilt between the Eagles and the Redskins at FedEx Field. Who do you got? Boy, that's a tough one. I'm going to take the Eagles and say they just pull it out in the edge. I agree, and by the way, the Eagles are one of my predicted wildcard teams for this year. How about the Cardinals and Lions at Ford Field? Well, the Lions didn't look that hot this preseason, so I'm going to have to go with Arizona. They look primed for a bounce-back season. Too much talent. 
you could be right there, but Matthew Stafford quietly had an MVP-type season last year, and I think uh, with that improved offensive line, he finds a way to eke out a win in a close, hard-fought game uh, with the Cardinals. Panthers at 49ers. Who do you like there? Well, 49ers rebuilding again. The the Panthers, you know, looking to get back to that championship form, and Cam Newton a little dinged up. I'm still going to take the Panthers. Hal, I'm actually going to disagree with you there. I believe in Kyle Shanahan. I believe he will get this offense more opportunities to score against this Panthers defense more often than people would think. And I have the four, and I also believe in their young defensive front seven to overwhelm that offensive line in Cam Newton. I am taking the 49ers in an upset. The Scott Tolzien Colts and the new look Jared Goff, Sean McVay Rams. Who do you got? Uh, no luck, no win. I'm going with the Rams. Same here, going with the Rams. Monday night tilt between the Saints and the Vikings. The return of Adrian Peterson to Minnesota. Who do you like? I'm going with the Saints. There's just too many weapons there. I actually believe the Vikings in that defense, plus the Saints' poorest defense, contribute to a narrow Vikings win. And to conclude it, Chargers against the Broncos for the final of two Monday night games in the Mile High City. Who do you have? Just too much defense there in Denver. I have the Broncos taking out the Chargers. I hope I am proven wrong and you are proven right here, but I cannot go against the Chargers. They are my pick to face the Patriots in the AFC Championship game this year. I just love that defense built in a similar way to the 2015 Broncos. And Phillip Rivers has enough weapons, more than enough weapons on offense. I like the Chargers in that game. Thank you very much once again, Hal, for joining us. And we definitely hope to have you on a lot more during this amazing season. Take care, Hal, and have a great weekend. Thank you, as always, for having me, David. It's a great time, and it's a great time to have football back. It most certainly is, Hal. And that's all for today here on Sports Crunch with D. Crom. Be sure to check out the episode archive as well as an up-to-date blog of mine at sportscrunch.com. And remember, that is Crunch with a K. For Hal Bent, our producer Chris Broadhead, our man in the box, I'm David Cromlow saying so long, and of course, stay awesome. Stay awesome.